readings from Galatians 4, verses 8 to 31. Formerly, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those who by nature are not gods. But now that you know God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you are turning back to those weak and miserable forces? Do you wish to be enslaved by them all over again? You are observing special days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that somehow I have wasted my efforts on you. I plead with you, brothers and sisters, become like me, for I became like you. You did me no wrong. As you know, it was because of an illness that I first preached the gospel to you. And even though my illness was a trial for you, trial to you, you did not treat me with contempt or scorn. Instead, you welcomed me as if I were an angel of God, as if I were Christ Jesus himself. Where, then, is your blessing of me now? I can testify that, if you could have done so, you would have torn out your eyes and given them to me. Have I now become your enemy by telling you the truth? Those people are zealous to win you over, but for no good. What they want is to alienate you from us, so that you may have zeal for them. It is fine to be zealous, provided the purpose is good, and to be so always, not just when I am with you. My, my dear children, for whom I am again in the pains of childbirth, until Christ is formed in you, how I wish I could be with you now and change my tone, because I am perplexed about you. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh, but his son by the free woman was born as the result of a divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem because she is in slavery with her children. But the Jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother. For it is written, be glad barren woman, you who never bore a child. Break forth and cry aloud, you who were never in labour, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. Now you, brothers and sisters, like Isaac, are children of promise. At that time, the son born according to the flesh persecuted the son born by the power of the Spirit. It is the same now. But what does Scripture say? Get rid of the slave woman and her son, for the, slave's woman, the slave woman's son will never share in the inheritance with the free woman's son. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for what the Apostle Paul wrote so many years ago and how that can speak to us today. I want to thank you, Holy Spirit, that you're here 
invite you to rest on each one of us and be making what Father is saying very real to us. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Amen. <clears throat> so who here has given birth? And uh, was it painful? <laughs> Some people are shaking their heads. But most people, it was painful. Would you like to experience that pain again? <laughs> Would you? Would you like to go through that again? <laughs> um, but was it worth it? Was the pain worth it? Was the end result good? Was it good when you first came along? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was worth it, wasn't it? <clears throat> the Apostle Paul gave birth. But not to a baby, boy or girl, but to a church. And it was painful for him but it was so worth it. It was so worth it. Now when he came to the Galatians initially, he uh, was uh, in bad shape. He didn't come to them as super pastor or shiny and happy. He was actually um, in a bad way. It says here he had a, an illness. And we, we don't know what that was. Some people have speculated it was this, that um, we actually don't know. We do know how that Paul got beaten up because of preaching the gospel. He would get beaten up. He'd get treated really badly, thrown in prison, and all sorts. Maybe it was just that he he had a rough period. He turned up in really bad shape. We don't know. <clears throat> Talks elsewhere about the thorn in his flesh, and again, but but to be honest, we don't know what that was. <clears throat> but he arrives with them. And rather than thinking, who is this guy? Oh, what a loser. They treat him with such respect and honour. And he becomes their spiritual father. And he gives birth to him. You treated me like an angel. You treated me like I was Jesus himself. And I gave birth to this church, as it were. But, you know, when you give birth, it, it, there's such joy. So I'm told. <laughs> because you then see, this is my child. And you start, you see this, yes, this is my flesh and blood. Wow. And you see some of that resemblance, don't you? You ever see children, son, father, oh, spitting image. <laughs> I can tell that you're related. And they, they, you, you look like each other. And you might rejoice over the fact that they look a bit like you all. That, that, you know, there's some good things there. And that's exciting and that's joyful. But you might also start to think, oh, they've got my nose. <laughs> they look kind of like me. And it's not all good. <laughs> and, and also, your kids can kind of start to take on traits that you think, oh, they're a bit like me. Chip off the old block. And it's not all good. Yeah? 
Your hang-ups, yeah, somehow they seem to have inherited something of that as well. Your own insecurities, they've got too. And it can be good, but it can be also a little bit of a, a struggle. And sadly, sometimes what happens is fathers, sons, mothers, daughters, so on, they kind of grow apart. Maybe dad is just a stubborn old so-and-so and the kids just, when they can, they just, oh, I don't want anything more to do with you. Or maybe, you know, child is a big disappointment. Oh, wash my hands of him. What a tragedy, isn't it, when that happens? But it does happen. The Galatian church had kind of washed their hands of Paul. <clears throat> they said, we don't want anything more to do with you, really. What happened is, not their own spiritual father, but a pretend father had come in and said, oh, well, what Paul was teaching you and all the rest of it was great and all the rest of it, but you need now to do these extra things if you really want to be acceptable to God. And they'd come in and they'd kind of got them under their wing, they'd influenced them, and the Galatian church had said, like they're saying, Paul, we don't want you anymore. You're not our dad anymore. And so Paul is really upset and we've been going through this for weeks now, looking at Galatians. And he basically says the same thing that we've been saying for weeks. But I don't make any apologies for that, because it's a really important point. <clears throat> and it's like he takes off his glasses and he says, look, oh, this is, I'm hurt. I'm really hurt. I can't see now, so I won't do that. <laughs> I'm hurt, actually. He's, See, Paul's an amazing teacher. If you read the New Testament, you'll find some very dense theology, some very intense intellectual stuff. But he's also a pastor. He's also very personal. He's also a human being. And as he speaks to them, he's like, you really hurt me. I'm really upset. How I wish I could come and be with you and change my tone about you because I'm perplexed. I am absolutely gutted. And he says, I'm in the pains of childbirth again because of you. I thought we'd done that. And now I feel like I'm, uh, you know, contractions and all the rest of it. I'm so gutted. These people who come in to influence the Galatians, Paul says, you know, they're very zealous. It's good to be zealous. But why are they being zealous? And he's very perceptive. He says, the reason they're being zealous is because they want you to be zealous for them. And it's an interesting psychological thing going on here. Sometimes people come and say, I want followers because I want them to make me feel better about myself. I need to be needed. And so I want to get people in my gang. We see it in leadership, don't we, sometimes. See it in churches, see it in business. See it in Are you with me? Yeah. <laughs> but people will say that. And really, it's just like, because it's their own insecurities they're feeling. I, 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 I want to I, I feel good about myself, so I need people telling me, yeah, I'm great, and I'm, I, they're, they're with me. Sadly, some people want to have a baby because they want to have, like a puppy, you know, that, that loves them. I need to be needed. Sometimes we don't want to let go of our children because we need to be needed. I need still to do the washing for you. I still need to do the cooking and the ironing for you. School.
before Paul came to the Galatians, he says, you were enslaved. You were slaves. They were pagans. Uh, and they worshipped all kinds of ancient gods. And he says, you were slaves to those gods. But now that you've come to know God, or rather that you're known by God, he kind of corrects himself. See, what's really happened is, they're now known by God. Now, sometimes we might think we're looking for God, but you know what? He's looking for us. We might think, I've come to know Jesus. He's come to know you. You are known by him. That's the reality of it. Whether you feel like you know God or not, whether one day you feel closer to God or not, nothing changes from God's point of view. He knows you. That's the important thing. They've come through Christ into a relationship with the Father and they are known by God. Do you know that's true for you through your faith in Christ? You're known. No matter how you feel Monday morning, you're known. You're loved. That's the relationship the Galatians had come into. You're known, by, and he's not disputing the fact they're still known by God, but he's saying now you're going back. It's like you're going back to those pagan gods and becoming enslaved all over again. Now they weren't because they were becoming very religious. In fact, they're becoming more religious than Paul. They were obeying all these rules and regulations. Say, you're going back and obeying uh, uh, days and weeks and months. And what happened was they're going, say, oh, right, if you really want to be strong in your faith, you've got to obey uh, all the Jewish festivals that it talks about in the Old Testament. Paul's saying, you numpties. These were all fulfilled in Christ. You don't need to go back to do that again. And he's effectively, what he says is, in turning back to all these rules and regulations, it's, it's like you're turning back to your pagan gods. It's no better. Our world seems to be more and more, if not pagan, certainly more secular. But it, was it any better before? People went to church but more, and we've seen the church decline, but I want to suggest that a lot of the time it was just out of that religious duty. Was it really living faith? People were slaved to rules and regulations. And now most of our society thinks, well, we don't need to do that anymore. You see, what happened before was people thought that if you want to be a good person, if you want to be seen as you know, a good upstanding citizen, you really you should go to church on a Sunday. And that's what he did. But now, in this country, you, there's no guilt if you don't go to church. Actually, it's quite normal not to go to church. We're the weird ones. But what people have done instead is they've exchanged that religious stuff, they've exchanged it for the, the secular version of exactly the same thing. So people are saying, well, I don't go to church, but I still have the same sort of values. And so, you know, I'll still help young ladies across the road. I, 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 you know, I still give money to charity. I still obey COVID restrictions, unlike some people. <laughs> I, you know, I do all the good things. I, I, I you know, Tracy said, I'm kind to animals. <laughs> But 
here's the thing. Whether you're religious or you're secular, if you're living in this kind of way, you're still a slave. You're still a slave. Because you're, you're kind of living by your own standards and rules. And you're enslaved to what Paul describes as weak and miserable forces. Paul is in pain to childbirth because he says, I'm waiting for Christ to be formed in you. Christ to be formed in you. He then goes on and tells this story of Abraham in the Old Testament. And Abraham had two sons. Now Abraham had heard these incredible promises from God. You move from your land and I will give you this promised land. I will make, look up at the stars in the sky, Abraham. I will, and, and they did not have light pollution. So the amount of stars, right? So shall your offspring be. Abraham received these incredible promises. And he followed God faithfully. But it took an awful long time for God to come through on his promises. And so, quite possibly understandable, after a while, his wife Sarah comes to him and says, look, this is taking an awfully long time. How about this? And this might sound weird to us, but she said, how about our slave Hagar go and sleep with her? And then it'll still be your offspring and it'll still be my household, but maybe that will be the way God will bring about this blessing, this offspring that he's talking about. They took matters into their own hands. Do you ever take matters into your own hands? <laughs> Do you ever think God's taken an awfully long time to come through? <laughs> I'm waiting a while here. What was it like for Abraham? What was it like for Sarah? Decades waiting. And so that Abraham says, Do you know what? Sarah, okay. And sleeps with the slave of the household, Hagar. She gives birth to Ishmael. But then it all goes wrong. Sarah gets jealous. And, you know, understandable family dynamics. Now, that all sounded like a weird arrangement, but it, not that it was what God wanted, but actually, you know, you had your wives, and we had your wives, and you had your concubines and all the rest of it. Quite normal in that culture in the ancient world. It wasn't part of God's plan, but God still blessed Ishmael, who was the son. He still blessed Hagar. If you make a mess of things, or if you take things in your own hands, you might think you've blown it for all eternity, but you haven't, because God will still be gracious to you. He still bless you. We all mess up. But he can still guide you back. He hasn't given up on you. And actually, he's still blessed Hagar. He's still blessed Ishmael. But it wasn't part of God's original plan. God's plan was for them to get to the point where actually what could be done physically, what could be done humanly, was there could be no child. This idea of an offspring was impossible. And that's when God stepped in. And that's what he does so often in our lives. He wants to get to the point where you and I have got to say, well, it had to be God. There was no other way. It was impossible 
through me. It was impossible in my own strength. I have to say that was, could only have been God. God wants us to get to that point. We can think we're waiting an awfully long time for God, but maybe he's waiting for us. Maybe he's waiting for us to get to the right place where we're saying, God, it has to be you and only you. All through that waiting period, God is doing stuff in us. Will you receive it? Will you just let Father guide you? And so Paul uses this story of Hagar, Sarah, Ishmael, and Isaac, the son of the promise, to say, it's like an allegory. He says, you are not children of the slave woman. You are children of the free person. You're children of the promise. There's a really famous story in, in the New Testament. It's, it's the parable of the prodigal son. And it's actually the parable of two sons, right? The father has two sons. And neither of them want the father. The younger son comes, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance. And off he goes. Spends it on wild living. He goes off. He goes off and lives a wild life. The other son stays home. And he's a good boy. But he doesn't want dad either. And you can see that because when the, the reprobate comes back, the prodigal son comes back with his tail between his legs, having spent all his money and made a fool of himself. The older son, oh, he's disgusted. And he says, Dad, I've been slaving away for you all this time. Can you hear the tone of that? He's angry, he's bitter, but he doesn't want that. Not really. He's slaving away for his inheritance. I want to ask, do you want to be a child of the promise? Do you want your dad? Do you want your father in, in heaven? Because he wants you. And he wants and calls you to be free. When I, I, I became a Christian, I was 20 years old, and I, I found freedom, I found joy, I found like the lights had been turned on in my life. I was so full of excitement. It was amazing. And God led me and, and, and so on. And then some years we got married, and then I became a pastor. And then, you know, that was clearly God guiding me. But I've shared this before, but about seven years ago now, came to the realization that I was like, I'd become like the older son in the prodigal son story. I was like, Lord, I'm busting a gut here working for this church. I'm working really hard, but I'm pretty fed up. I'm kind of getting bitter. I didn't know it. You can't always see it when it's yourself, can you? Others can see it. You can't see it. And I was just becoming increasingly bitter. I was always there at the prayer meetings. I was always there. You know, I did this, I did that. I worked really hard. And I was fed up. 
And it took quite a difficult situation to bring me to my knees and repent, actually. I remember it was, uh, I was decorating the lounge, Tanya and the kids went off for a week. They were so disgusted at me. No, they weren't me. They were, I, didn't, I just didn't want to go. <laughs> so I stayed home to decorate the lounge. And uh, I remember as I was doing that, I was just, it was, you know, it being difficult, but I was just coming back to God. And I remember praying the Lord's Prayer and I couldn't get past that first line. Our Father in heaven. God was rediscovering me. I have a Father. And I'm free. I'm not so likely to go off and be the wild son who will spend his money on prostitutes and I mean, I wouldn't, you know, never say never. What I mean by that is, you could always be tempted. <laughs> you can always be tempted, right? You should never say, I'd never do that. Because you could. But I want to say, if the devil can't get you on, you know, embezzling funds, adultery, stealing, cheating, lying, whatever, he'll get you on being religious. And he'll get you on being that bitter, dutiful, angry. And you'll still be far away from your dad. And I know I'm susceptible to that. And I pray, Lord, just, just keep working in my life. Father, keep speaking to me. Dad, I want to be closer to you. What's more important? Me thinking, I'm right, they're wrong. <laughs> or having a relationship with God. You know, when families separate, I'm right, they're wrong, but we can't even remember what we're arguing about. Fault on both sides is so often. What's more important? Relationship. It's not about me being right. Tragically, the church has not done this very well. Church split, 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 split. We're right. Follow me. Great. Big pastor. Follow me. I need you. They do this all the time. What's more important? Be in relationship with Christ. Be in relationship with your Father. How are you getting on? How's your relationship? Jesus died for you so that you might cry out, Father. Brothers and sisters, we are not children of the slave woman, but of the free woman. You are children of promise. And you might be waiting. You might be hanging on in there. But God's waiting for you too. And he hasn't left you. Children of the promise. Let's hold on to that.
welcome you, Holy Spirit. Just be still before God for a moment. It's the Father's love. Let him lavish that on you. He's not ashamed of you. He's not ashamed to call you his son, his daughter. He's always there for you.